Hey, welcome to the Strong Roots Podcast. My name is Kristen Hill, and we are so excited that you're tuning in today. Our prayer is that you would move one step closer to Jesus through this series. So go ahead and check out this next episode. Hey, Strong Roots Podcast. I'm here with Pastor John, and we are in our winter blues season. And I am so excited to interview you because Pastor John is a very strong and capable man, but I think a lot of you would be surprised that he is talking on this subject, and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about it. How are you feeling about talking on this subject today? Oh, I'm honored to be able to talk about winter blues. Yes. So yeah. let's just cut to the heart straight away. Yeah. So what does winter blues look like to you? I mean, for me, it is a, I think it manifests mostly as feelings of deep dread and I don't know if loss is the feeling, but despair um, that usually sets in around daylight savings and then reaches a peak right about now, right about in January yeah. is uh, where it gets really terrible and um, kind of lasts until through February and March where it just feels really, really badly. So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the big struggle there. Have you always struggled with winter blues? You know, I don't think I was, I think it came to a head after college where I really began to identify, man, like, and I think I made a lot of probably mildly destructive, self-destructive choices before that, not understanding why. Um, but I'd end up in places in my life relationally and um, educationally and whatever in classes where I was like, man, why am I putting myself in these situations where I'm behind on papers and all this other stuff when I have nothing but time? And uh, I realized, man, like a lot of these symptoms that I hear people describe are things that I think that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. I have winter blues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What has gotten you through? Like how, I feel like with struggles in, in any area of our lives, yeah. there are things that we've done that have hindered the progress and there are things that we've done that have helped our progress. Yeah. I want to hear both. I can tell you, I think that a lot of it comes down to pain management. And I, I ran distance in high school, right? Which is what all the nerds do. And consequently, putting your kid in an endurance event, um, teaches them to manage pain and there's a huge disproportionate correlation between kids who do cross country and distance and track and kids who are grow up to be adults who are successful. And I think it's because pain management is such an important skill in life. Mm. And uh, what I learned in cross country, and I was certainly not physically the best runner, but I think I was one of the grittiest. And I remember watching so many people who I knew were faster than me on a lot of days um, just quit in various days. Like I'd be running next to them and I remember in the races, like they'd be my teammates and I remember watching them, you know, they'd start like, they'd be all in their heads and they'd start weaving back and forth side to side. You know, you could just tell that they were, they were inside of their heads. Cause biologically, I mean, look, if you can run a 17 minute 5K every day, like you can run a 17 minute 5K most days, like most races are training and such is gonna prepare you to do that. It's just, it's a head game. And uh, I think for me, what I began to realize is, you know, I am still the same person that I am in the summer that I am in the winter. But I think a lot of times we get inside of our head, we feel terrible. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is I am not going to let the fact that I feel full of despair, that I feel very tired, and that I feel an extreme dread and just a huge desire to not do anything. Um, I'm not gonna let that stop me from accomplishing the things that I believe I'm called to accomplish with my life. Right. And it's really just a game of managing that pain in your head. Cause I wanna be clear, like, this sounds really bad, but like right in the month of January, I hate writing my sermons. 
Like I hate it. Like mm -hmm. it is so hard. And every week I write, you know, probably 4,000, 4,500 total words. And then I like pare that down to about 38, 3,700 words. That's a term paper every single week. And then I rehearse it 10 times out loud in my office before the very first message. And you know, I said over 19 million words out loud since I started working at this church. That's a lot. But in the wintertime, like I hate it. I don't want to do it. In my head, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is so hard. I don't have what it takes and, da -da -da, and all these different things. And I just say, okay, that's how I feel. That's not reality. The reality is I have the time and the brain capacity to do this. If I can do it in the summer, I can do it in the winter. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to do this, you know, and, and winter blues, like they're terrible. They're terrible, terrible, terrible. You feel awful. You just feel so awful. And then you just do it in spite of the pain. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Are there any of God's word or truth that bring you through? Like, is there a verse that you cling to or is there um, Bible reading that you do, or is there anything spiritually that you find has been helpful? You know, I just keep thinking of Paul saying Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. And I know that there were a lot of days where Jesus probably felt the blues. Like, it's very clear in yeah. Scripture that he did. You know, he'd go to a lonely place to get alone. Like, and I'm a Enneagram hard wing nine. I'm an eight hard wing nine. I love peace. I, I don't like rocking the boat. I love making sure that things are okay. And then I love being alone. You know, but I know that Jesus wanted to be alone too. And yet when there were people around him and he didn't feel like being around him, he would still do mm -hmm. his ministry. And uh, I just think in my life, like especially, like those times are especially true when I'm with you, you know, in the evenings and you're like, hey, let's talk about my feelings. Like last night, okay, so context. Last night we had an event at our church called Sisterhood and Christian did a great job. And, you know, we had both worked all day, you know, started it. 7:45, and you know we got home by the time we were done working it was probably about 10 o'clock at night and she wanted to talk about her feelings you know what i mean and as a husband um i probably should listen to her talk about her feelings but i wanted nothing more than to spend time with my phone you know what i mean like i just wanted to watch youtube videos and i was just so done i was hurt like i was i, I felt so much dread you know what i mean like anxiety about like if I talk to anyone for one more second, I'm gonna explode. And that's a lot of what Winter Blue, like I hate this, I hate talking with people, I don't wanna do this. And I just thought, look, my wife wants to talk with me. She's a beautiful woman, lots of people wanna talk with my wife all the time, I'm just gonna do it. And at the end, it was fine, it was good. I was glad that I got to listen to her and, and, and hear about and share that emotional experience with her. But in the beginning, it, it was, it was pain management. It was doing things I didn't want to do. And, you know, in the summer, I probably would have been super excited to do that, would have had the energy to be engaged and whatever. But in the winter, I had to choose to do that thing I didn't well, want to do. Well, and the funny thing is it was actually, like, excitement. It wasn't even a negative thing. No. Saying how happy She I wasn't, was. like, confronting me about, yeah. yeah. And that happens a lot, too. When your spouse is like, you know you're in trouble, and she's, like, going to be like, hey, you know, that tone of voice you did in front of that person hurt me, and it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to talk for two hours. That's not what it was. You know, you just, she wanted to tell me good things and I was dreading hearing yeah, it. Yeah, and I just wanted to make, because I think that's what winter blues do. Even yeah. happy things you don't want to no. hear about. Yeah. You're like, I don't have the time or the energy. Just so, want to shut down. Yeah. Talking about being married, what are things that I've done that have harmed you during winter blues? And mm. what are things that I've done that have been helpful? If you can answer that. I think it is harmful to, if you are married to someone who struggles with winter blues, and I want to be clear, um, from what I can understand and what I've talked to people on this, like I probably have a more extreme case of winter blues than some people have, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and seasonal depression. And, and so I think what's been really helpful, Kristen, as an Enneagram type two, really wants to help and take care of and care for, and it's easy for her to take on my burdens. Mm -hmm. She is not responsible to make me happy. 
And if she decides that it's going to be her responsibility to pull me out of the pit, um, she's going to make both of us miserable. Well, I'm just going to be in the pit with you. Right. We both can't get out. And that's what, yeah. (laughs) And uh, she lives her life and she continually opens her heart to me and doesn't like shut it down. Even though I've rebuffed her and rejected her so many times over the last 11 years. Um, But she doesn't like get sad because she can't make me happy, you know? And uh, I think that's a big deal. I think she'll tell me like, hey, you're not, you're not fun to come home to and I love you and I'll always come home to you. But I just want you to know right now, like you being shut down all the time is not, and, and like one thing you do that, that's helpful is you say, um, you're missing out on the kids too, you know, and that's okay. I'm not gonna like be mad at you or whatever, but I just don't want you to look back and say you missed out. And if you do, you know, that's your choice, you know, years from now, but just want you to know you're missing it. And uh, she'll say that and a lot of times I'll be like, well, fine, I'm missing it. You know, I'm gonna go sit in the bathroom for 30 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just what I do. Um, and that's, that's winter blues. But um, it's helpful to have you open the door continually. Mm-hmm. And a lot of days um, I choose to walk through it. And some days I just quit. You know, and that's embarrassing. I look back and I think, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You know, and that's, that's my weak flesh. Right. Um, but yeah. And for those of you, like, I want you to understand this. If you're married to someone who has seasonal blues, like, it seems so easy but I remember, and again, cross country analogy here, I remember being on like kilometer 4.5. You still had a half kilometer to finish. The finish was a long ways away. You're super tired. You feel like your lungs are gonna explode. And like all of you just wants to quit, but you just keep taking one more step. Like that is, and I get emotional talking about it, but that is like very much what life feels like. And um, I know it seems like really simple things that you're asking someone mm-hmm. who struggles with seasonal depression to do, but um, for them, you know, I mean, they're doing the best they can and everybody's doing the best they can with what right. they have, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like very much and sometimes it's not, you know, Right. but uh, yeah, yeah. That was a great answer. I know that you have had family members who have struggled with seasonal depression. I think there are a lot of parents who, and I've heard so many stories of like, like you talked about, like missing out as somebody who had a family member struggle with something like this, is there any insight that, or wisdom or, I don't know, just being being a younger person in that situation that you would, that a parent maybe could find helpful? I think in the springtime, a lot of times I look back at choices I've made or the person I've been over a long season, I just feel so stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm in the middle of it and I'm like, man, I've really, it's just, I feel so stupid. And uh, I think one of the big things is just reminding myself like today is a new day. And even though I failed yesterday and I failed the day before and today, it's very likely I'm not gonna be who I wanna be. Mm -hmm. Like this hour is a decision to choose joy and I can just choose joy in this hour, even though I don't feel it, you Mm -hmm. know? And I wanna be, I hear so many people say like, I'm tired of faking it. Like what a a silly phrase, you know? Like all of life, that's like basically like when I tell my children don't throw a temper tantrum, like if they looked at me and said, well, I'm just tired of faking like I feel good. What a childish statement, you know? And I say that to myself and I remember having a counselor that I went and saw say something like that, like you don't have to fake it. And I remember thinking, what kind of new age garbage is that? Like all of adulthood is faking it. You know what I mean? Like all of adulthood is denying my sinful nature. Right. Like, and saying, Jesus, I wanna follow you. And this, like, that is who I was born. I was born sinful. I was born self-focused. I was born wanting to be in a state of laziness. Mm -hmm. But I know fulfillment doesn't come from that. You know what I mean? So. And I feel like as parents too, when you've struggled with something for so long, you think it's too late. 
Yeah. It's too late. I can't. I can't go back. And so you just ruin your future. And I, I feel like it's never too late. It's never too late to start again. Yeah. And I think a lot of times I have found in seasons of depression that even you're saying springtime, we'll use it as a metaphor. But when you're in that springtime, it's like there's part of me that was comfortable being depressed. There's part of me that got just, it was easy. Oh yeah, it was normal. diagnosis or and whatever. I, yeah, and it's, yeah. as soon as I feel like, oh, I might be coming out of this, there's part of me that longs to go back. And I yeah. don't want I don't want to break through, even though that's all I've been praying for. Yeah. How do you wrestle in the springtime? How do you how do you fight to move forward, even though sometimes it's comfortable to stay where you were? Mm. I mean, a lot of times I just feel better, like in the springtime. <laughs> I don't know, like I, I just, yeah. like, because... Whatever it is biochemically that's going on, like, I mean, yeah. it, it typically goes away in the spring. I do. I feel a lot better in the summer. But can I say one thing about oh, how, yes. how I deal with this in the winter? So something yes. I've realized, like, four young kids, demanding job, busy life. Um, I made a decision to stop working out years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And this last winter, um, not this winter, but last winter, I made a decision to just start working out in the middle of the day. And uh, that was actually like, that made a lot bigger difference in the wintertime. And in the summer I quit again because I didn't feel depressed anymore. But mm -hmm. um, this year, you know, I made a preemptive decision ahead of time before I really started to feel bad to start working out. And uh, that has made a really big difference. So I'll say, I just want to say like, I think that physical activity, at least for me, was very helpful. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to be clear, I've never felt like working out less. You know what I mean? It's like the last thing that I want to do. Right. Um, right. But I like how it makes me feel. And it's kind of cool hearing coworkers say, hey, pastor, you're not a jerk. I mean, just kidding. That's not what they say. But they say, hey, you seem happier than normal, you know. Yeah. And it's true. It's like, yeah, it's working out. Why do you think God has us go through winters? I think that... All of the maladies and illnesses and difficulties that we face in this life are a result of sin and the mm -hmm. fall. And I am not sure why God allowed sin to enter the world, um, other than, I suppose, out of a desire to have us fall in love with him. But I will say, and understand his grace and love for us, but I will say that going through this pain helps me understand my need for Jesus and helps me depend on him. And I think that that is really good. And I do think that seeing the darkness of my own depression mm -hmm. and the pain that my own sin causes me and the narratives that are created in my mind also reminds me that the devil is, is real right. and that evil is real and um, something that I want and need to fight against. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap it up, if you could leave them with one thought or one challenge or something, advice that you wish you would have gotten, yeah. what would it be? Uh, one thing I tell my daughters all the time, my oldest two daughters, one of them in particular is, and I know it sounds really bad, but uh, your feelings aren't real. Like your mm -hmm. feelings are not a reflection. They are a biochemical reaction that aren't necessarily an accurate reflection of how best to react in, in this reality. And I tell myself that all the time. I feel terrible. That's, that's the reality of my feelings. But the fact of my life is I have a really good life. Mm -hmm. I have a really good life, you know? And I just keep reminding myself, these feelings that I have are not real. And I've had them when my life has been bad and when my life has been good. And I can look back and say, okay, my feelings are not real. So I'm not going to listen to them as an informative source on how to make decisions in this moment. 
And uh, I think that's a really big deal, but that's a hard choice again. But yeah, that's a big thing I leave you with. I love that. And even just the other day, I, I can't remember the conversation we were having, but I was having a lot of feelings. And you're like, you have to choose to decide in the moment like, and ask yourself this question, like, what would a great leader do in spite of my feelings? Like, you yeah. need to lead in every moment and every day. And, like, doesn't matter how you are feeling, doesn't matter if they hurt you, doesn't matter whatever's happening, like, you have a choice to choose to be a great leader, to choose to follow Jesus in this moment despite your feelings. Mm. And I feel like, kind of to piggyback off what you said, I, I really took that to heart and it's been really helpful, especially when you're combating negative feels. So thank you, John. Thank yeah. you for being vulnerable. And yeah. Thank you for just teaching us how to fight through this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank, thank you. you guys for tuning in and I cannot wait to catch you next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to follow us on our other social media platforms. We don't want you to miss out on any future content. Thank you so much again, guys. I hope you have a great day. And I want you to know I am personally praying that your roots stay strong.